everyone and welcome to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I am so glad you could be here. My name is Sarah and my desire is to help you learn to sit still in a noisy world because it is in those still moments that we have the chance to know God. Silence is something we tend to run from because it is a place of confrontation where we can hear our thoughts and see ourselves for who we truly are. This is why we try to drown out the silence with noise, any kind of noise from music to crowds to a packed schedule. We avoid the silence, but that is exactly where God wants to meet us. This is the reason behind this podcast, as well as my website, sitstillmydaughter.com. I want to encourage you to step away from the noise and the distractions and enter into his presence, the one who formed you with purpose. I promise that the more you get to know him, really know him, the more you will return his love and walk in confidence of who he has made you to be, his image bearer to the world. So I invite you to join me on this journey of learning to sit still. If you have any questions or a prayer request, you can submit them via my website. I would love to pray for you and help in any way I can. There are also free Bible reading plans available to download and be sure to check out my social media accounts where I share short devotionals to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. All of those links are located in the show notes, so be sure to look after the episode. And if you haven't already, would you tap that subscribe button so you never miss an episode? You can also leave a review, which helps others find this podcast. Now, are you ready for the answer to the Bible trivia question I asked you last week? What first thing were the Israelites to bring to the house of the Lord? The answer is fruit of the land, the first fruits of the land, and it's found in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. Our question for next week is, who said, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly? Who said, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly? Now remember, I will have the answer for you on the next episode. First Thessalonians was a wonderful study that gave me a lot to think about and consider in my own life. Today, I just want to share a few things I learned with you because I probably will be revisiting this book with you later, but today let's just highlight a few things. Let's start with chapter 1, verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. The words sounded out carry the idea to sound forth. The sound of something is born for them. It's propagated. It is the only time such a word is used in the New Testament. Paul is saying that from their city, or more specifically their church, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, has disseminated by report. The words spread abroad mean to be diffused, the report of one's faith. So consider what that means. Their faith is what was known, not just in their city, but around the country. Our faith was intended to not only change our lives, but impact others. It starts with us, but it is not created to stay with us. In fact, it is meant to be multiplied. When I read this, it really made me stop and think about what my faith is accomplishing for Christ. Has it only impacted me? Am I keeping it to myself or is its effect spilling over into the lives of others that God brings into my life? I want a faith that is known, not so that I can be well known, 
but that my Jesus can be seen in everything I do and say? How can I have a faith that makes a difference for Christ if I don't let it first impact me? Remember what James tells us? Our faith must be accompanied by works, action, or it's dead. In other words, worthless. My friends, let's be like the Thessalonian believers and have an active, impactful faith that makes a difference in our community for Jesus. Our next thought comes from chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Paul tells them, even though the road has been difficult, referring to the treatment he and Silas received in Philippi, being beaten and thrown to prison, he still was bold in speaking the gospel. The proof was that the fact that the Philippian church now had a jailer as one of their newest members. The word bold carries the idea of growing confidence, showing assurance, to be frank in utterance. I have a feeling that in every city, Paul's confidence grew, not in himself, but in what he was proclaiming. He knew the power of the gospel, and there was nothing that could hinder him from speaking out to all who would hear no matter the obstacles. A thought he emphasized with the word contention, which means amid all hindrances, struggles with danger, annoyances, obstacles, none of these should stand in the way of our faith, our pursuit of holiness or desire to spread the gospel, which is what enduring word says about this word. I want that boldness, that boldness that Paul speaks of, and it can be mine because There is no fear in Christ. He has empowered each of us so that we can go forth and spread the good news to all who will listen. I know that it can be intimidating to strike up a conversation with someone about spiritual matters and where they will spend eternity, but a few months ago, I was privileged to attend an online event where John Lennox was the speaker. He is a well-known gentleman that has debated many men who are against Christianity, and he shared some helpful tips on overcoming our fear. First, we need to remember who we are to fear above all, the Lord. Remember what Peter said when he was threatened by the religious leaders and the high priest himself? We ought to obey God rather than men. Acts chapter 5 verse 29. Peter didn't fear this counsel because he feared God more. This is what Mr. Lennox was trying to encourage and remind us. When we have a proper fear of God, man is not so scary. It is God, not man, who will judge us for how we lived our life. He also said that we must be prepared to defend our faith, which requires that we spend time in the word of God, becoming more and more familiar with the truths that it contains. And lastly, he told us that we should also practice defending our faith. One thing I appreciate about Mr. Lennox's list was the fact that each step was built on the one before. It starts with a fear of God, then growing in our personal faith, our walk with God, which in some ways goes back to the principle we learned in chapter one of Thessalonians. When we do these two steps, we are ready to take the next, to actually practice speaking out boldly. May we be women who confidently claim this boldness and look for opportunities to share the gospel in our everyday lives. In chapter three, we find our next thought. Let's read verses seven and eight. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast, in the Lord. 
Paul was worried by some reports about the possibility of their waning in their faith, but Timothy returned with good news. He rejoiced to hear that they were doing well and shared that he would live or thrive, which is what the word implies, as long as they stood fast in the Lord. Paul's number one concern with each church was to know that they were living their faith. The words stand fast means to stand firm, to persist, to persevere in one's fellowship with the Lord. But what does it mean to persevere in fellowship? The word persevere means to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. That's what the dictionary says anyways. Of course, we know that we will have the success in our walk with the Lord, but we will face difficulties. The closer we want to get to the Lord, the harder Satan will fight us. He delights in a Christian who lives in the world and is weak in their faith. They are no threat to him, but when we take a stand for what is right, speak boldly about the gospel and encourage others to do the same, we are causing him problems. But we must be determined to persevere, to never let anything come between our walk with the Lord, but make it a priority to spend time in prayer and in studying his word. When we do this, we are also an encouragement to those around us who see us. Remember, we don't live an isolated life that goes unnoticed. There is always someone who is watching and listening to us. May we be women who stand fast in our Lord and give Satan cause to worry. In the beginning verses of chapter 4, Paul speaks about abstaining from sexual sins. While this is only one area of our life, I began to contemplate the importance of just one battle. History has proved the difference one battle can have in the war. Over and over again, the outcome of one seemingly insignificant skirmish would go on to change the entire outcome of the war. Sometimes we think that yielding to one, one sin, just one, will have little to no effect on our spiritual life. But we could not be more wrong. One sin is all it took to alter David's reign. His sin with Bathsheba caused unrest into his final years as king. Achan's choice to disregard the Lord's command to touch nothing of the spoils of Jericho cost the lives of men who fought in the following battle and eventually cost the lives of his entire family. Lot's choice To move into Sodom and Gomorrah would cost him everything and even set his daughters on the path to incest. There is no such thing as a small or insignificant sin. And we must be on guard against anything that would threaten to invade our life. To give ground in one area makes us vulnerable to another. There is also something to be said about winning the small battles. Joseph was determined to not commit a sin with his master's wife, and even though it led him to prison, this path would eventually take him back up to the palace and the salvation of his people. We could say that this was his victorious battle, but what would have happened if he had caved on that battle with Potiphar's wife? What would the outcome of Genesis have been? God would still have preserved his people, but Joseph would not have been used or remembered as we do today. We may never know just how important one victory, just one, can mean in our life, which is why we must remain true to our Lord and seek to live each day victoriously. Yes, we will stumble and fall, but as long as we follow the example of the righteous man who fell seven times and rose again, we will do well. Remember, we may fall, but we need to rise up, dust off, and look up. 
I never want to grow lax in my treatment of sin, letting in the little ones gain the victory over me, but strive to do what is right each day. And Paul gives us another clue in winning the victory in verse 6 of chapter 5. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The word sleep means to yield to sloth and sin and to be indifferent to one's salvation. Enduring word says that it denotes indifference to spiritual realities on the part of believers, and this covers both the moral and spiritual laxity. Take a moment to let that sink in. This is what happens when we grow lazy in our spiritual walk, when we become more engrossed in the things of the world than persevering in our fellowship with the Lord. Again, the value of our quiet time comes into play here. Let me go back to what was said a moment ago, to be indifferent to one's salvation. Truly, that is what we say with our actions. When we choose to sin, we don't care about what it costs Jesus. We are lightly treating the payment he had to make in order for our sins to be paid. Oh, my friends, I pray that we would heed the advice of Paul when he says to watch or give strict attention, as the word translates. This is how we avoid falling into sin, by being vigilant, staying alert and on guard. We also need to be sober, to be calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate. Such a person is aware of their surroundings as well as their weaknesses. They are prepared and a spiritually prepared person is a much harder target for Satan. We are in a battle, a spiritual warfare, waging war every day. And if we are not ready, we will fall prey to the enemy's arrows. Our quiet time and even our choice of companions matters. We must surround ourselves with people who love the Lord and want to walk in his ways, to do his will and obey his commands. This encourages us to do better and it keeps us accountable. Let's be women who daily put on the armor of God each and every piece so that we can withstand the tempter when he comes with his customized lures. And that is where we will end today's episode, my friends. I pray that you will make your quiet time a priority and be an encouragement to those around you. Let's determine in our hearts to be women whose faith can be seen in every area of our lives so that the world may know him. Thank you.